spent some time together with the Beardsleys, and we have enjoyed that so very much. And uh, But I've been having so much fun the last couple of days with the pastoral team here and wonderful, wonderful pastors here at this church. And you are blessed at Newark United Pentecostal Church. Could you give all of your leaders, all of those that serve throughout the church and ministry, volunteers, the list goes on and on. Amen. It's so good to be with Bishop Moss here today and his wife, and we were together here. Uh, my mind starts going blank. January, I think it was, at a at a district function and um, getting to meet him and be around him. I have thoroughly enjoyed that. And, uh, man, what talent up here. I, you're going to have to teach me how to play like that. I, 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 that was so good. Hey, man, I... Um, I'm I'm from a very small town, not now, but I, I grew up in a very small town, and uh, in in uh, Indiana, I'm a Hoosier, and um, it was a town of about 2,000 people. It's a farm town, and it's about 20 miles north of uh, of Indianapolis. Uh, the if you have the 465 goes around Indianapolis, it's about 20 miles north of that. And so uh, as a teenager, I would run down in Indianapolis and hang out with friends at different churches. But as far as living, I lived in a little small town. I'm not living in a little small town anymore. Uh, I'm in Katy, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. And Houston um, supposedly has already surpassed or getting ready to surpass Chicago as being the, the third largest city in America. It is the number one most multicultural city in America. It surpassed New York several years ago. And so uh, Katy is just, uh, it, it runs at a different speed. Um, I believe we have the largest, and I've heard variations of this, but the largest freeway system in the world, or definitely in North America. Um, if I remember correctly, it's 21 or 24 lanes wide called the Katy Tollway, and I get stuck on it um, trying to get somewhere, and and I just sit there and think, I need to get back to the country. <laughs> and uh, I, I miss some of the country. And, of course, I don't get out this way a whole lot, although the last couple uh, months I have, and I have thoroughly enjoyed being on the East Coast. A few years ago, my wife and I, uh, we traveled up through the New England states, and uh, it was my first time to um, make that trip. And then uh, earlier this year, we went to Hawaii. So I've now completed all 50 states. And uh, I've, I've been in all of them. But I have to tell you, uh, the East Coast is beautiful. There's some places I love throughout uh, the East. And um, I um, have very fond memories. And I'm making some even this weekend. I want to go in the word of the Lord to the book of Galatians chapter 4. And I want to read one verse of scripture. And um, I want to just simply say, as you're turning there into Galatians 4, that um, I the, the Lord has been dealing with me about what I'm going to share with you. And I normally don't say this. I don't like saying this. But uh, I'm going to say it anyway to make a point. Um, I cannot tell you here recently how many times I have spoken from this. I'd have to go back and look. In my notes, um, I keep feeling drawn back to what I'm going to share today, and it keeps growing. Every time I go to speak, God adds more to it, and uh, that happened again this 
this weekend as I began praying. Felt the Lord direct me talk about this again, and then the Lord gave me some more. And so um, I'm going to just share with you what the Lord has been challenging me with some thoughts. And I, I pray that it will be a, a blessing here today. Galatians 4 and verse 7, wherefore thou art no more a servant. I'm going to say I'm no more a servant. But a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I um, th- this This phrase, no more a servant, uh, from that, I want to speak on this thought, something more. If I'm no more a servant, then I've got to be something more. So what is that? And uh, and, and I got to tell you, y'all don't know me. There's a few of you here that know me a little bit, but you, you don't know me. You don't know uh, my history. You don't know my normal way of speaking. You don't know um, you don't know me. I don't know you. You're looking at me trying to check me out. I'm looking at you trying to figure you out. And uh, it's all said and done. Um, this is just simply the word of God. And if it's delivered with a lot of zeal, and uh, and then that's one thing. And if it's delivered where it's just taught, um, then that, that's you know one thing. And you get all these different styles of delivery. When it's all said and done, it's still the word of God. And so I have to say that in the word of God today, I feel that the Lord wants to encourage some people. And, um, and hopefully when you walk out of here, you'll walk out with a little bit more understanding, and a little bit of encouragement uh, in what God is doing in your life. I, um, as I said, I grew up in Indiana, but my dad is uh, from Georgia. Um, my dad grew up in the sticks of Georgia. My grandfather made moonshine. Uh, when it was illegal to make moonshine. And uh, Sheriff White, he wore a white, big old white hat, came to see my grandfather, pulled up in the yard and talked to my grandfather for a little while. And he said, uh, when he got ready to leave, he said, Johnny, he said, I heard you was making moonshine. He said, I said, oh, no, not Johnny. He he don't make moonshine. He said, but if I hear it again, Johnny, you know I'm coming back. He got in his car and drove off, and my grandfather looked at his kids, and he said, boys, you got to help me. He said, we got to break up that moonshine, because he knew Sheriff White was coming back. And so this, this, is, this is the, the family in my, uh, my, my history. And so my, my dad, um, he, he grew up playing um, country music, and he plays the electric guitar. My uncle, my dad's twin, plays the acoustic guitar. And um, they, they can play the same guitar at the same time. They opened for Hank Williams Sr. when Willie Nelson was playing the bass uh, for, for Hank Williams Sr. And they were 11 years old. He opened for them at a county fair. And uh, my, my dad and his twin, very, very musical and can sing. And uh, 14, 15 years old, they went to church. What happened was, was that my Uncle or my my grandfather had a brother-in-law who came and knocked on the door and said, Johnny, he said, I got to tell you about something. He said, I found something that you need. He said, it's going to change your life. He said, I want you to go to church with me on Sunday. They went to church and my, my grandfather looked at my grandmother and said, when we get out of here, we're never coming back. The guy who was leading the service 
was, uh, was a, a man named Coit Self, and Coit Self used to fight my grandfather in the bars over my grandmother. When they were all single, they would fight over her. And he's up leading worship, and my grandfather's like, we get out of here, we're never going back to that church. And they walked out the door onto a little porch of the church there in Athens, Georgia, and uh, Coy itself came up behind my grandfather and wrapped his arms around him and gave him a hug and said, Johnny, he said, I'm not the same man. And on the way home, living in the sticks of Georgia, this is red dirt, red mud, driving home in the sticks of Georgia, my grandfather looked at my grandmother and said, no, he said, God can change Coy itself. He can change anybody. We're going back to that church. They went back. And it was just a short period of time that my dad's twin, who had fallen off of a porch at four years old and had started having seizures, and he had seizures multiple times a week. In fourth grade, uh, he was having so many seizures during the week that he, that he missed most of fourth grade, and my father repeated fourth grade so he could graduate with his twin. And, and so my, my, my uncle, my uncle Daryl, he uh, went to the altar and he was right at 14, 15 years old, went down to the altar, and God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God called him to preach, and God healed him of his seizures. He's never had another one. He's 77 today. Now, that was a miracle. And he certainly needed a miracle. And there's perhaps people here today that you can testify of miracles that you have experienced in your life. And there may be people even here today that are in need of a miracle. But here's what the Lord began dealing with me about a few months ago, and I can't get away from it, Bishop Moss. It's just like the Lord just keeps working this over and over in me, is that God had something more in mind than just the miracle. My, my uncle became a preacher and a pastor. His daughter is married to a pastor. My dad's sister married a minister, and they started five churches in Georgia. Their son pastors a church in Alabama. Their other son is in ministry in Atlanta, Georgia, with Daryl Johns and his wife and his kids. They're in ministry my 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 sister married a minister. She's assisting her and my brother-in-law are assisting my dad right now. My brother became a pastor. My dad's older brother became a pastor. God had something more in mind than just the miracle. Amen. I I, I have a very simple point. It's not going to get a whole lot more exciting. Probably not going to get a whole lot more deeper than it is right now. It's a very simple point. God has something more in mind than just the miracle that we're looking for. He has something more in mind. In Ephesians 3, and I love the book of Ephesians, preached out of the book of Ephesians for five years every Sunday. I, I love the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, I've been praying for you. And this is verse 14. He said, I've been bowing my knees. I've been praying. 
He said, I've been calling on the Lord. In verse 17, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. Now, this is so interesting because in chapter 1, Paul says, I've been praying for you. And Paul says, I've been praying that you will understand and know his great love for you, that your eyes of understanding would be enlightened. And, and he, he t- says all this in chapter 1. And then in chapter 3, we're reading almost the same exact prayer. He says, I've been praying for you. This is not a one-time prayer. This is Paul saying, I've been praying this over and over again, that you would understand the greatness of God and, and, and all that God can do. And then he goes on and he, write, and he writes in verse 20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. He takes this to another level. He says, now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly but above all that we ask or think. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a pretty vivid imagination. I, I, I can think big things. But the Bible tells me that God is able to do more than what I can even think. Amen. He's able to do more than what I can think. He's able to do more than what I've ever asked him for. He is able to do more. I love this. Romans 8 and 37 says, we are more than conquerors through him. God takes things and he makes it bigger. He makes it greater than what we can imagine. He, he goes beyond what we can conceive. We think of, you know, this miracle, and it's a big deal. I mean, I need a miracle. It's a big thing. But God says, no, I'll take what that, uh, that, that, that you need, and I'll, and I'll even go beyond all of that in ways that you never dreamed possible. Now, this at some point today ought to become a very encouraging word to you today because God sees more than what you see. God thinks of things that are bigger and grander and and greater than what you could ever imagine. And I am thankful for that today, that God is able to do more than what I ask or even think. Amen. So, here, here it is. This is how it came to me. And I'm, I'm just, I, I'm just transparent. I'm real. I'm, I'm, I'm just me. Okay, and uh, and I, I may yell here in a little bit. I, I walk pews and I've stood on top of pulpits. I probably won't try on this one. You just never know what I'm going to do. But, uh, but most of the time, what you see right now, this is just my norm right here. Okay. Um, I heard about the guy who, who went home with his wife, and he said, babe, he said, I can preach. He'd never been to church. He went, and he said, I can preach just like that preacher. She said, you can't preach? He said, you don't, even, you don't know anything. You can't preach. He goes, oh, yes, I can. She goes, yeah. and he, she said, babe, you can. He goes, well, watch me. He said, one day there was this rabbit who went down the briar patch, and he was running through the briar patch, and a bear came after him. She said, that's not preaching. He said, well, how about this? One day, there was a rabbit. And the rabbit went down into the briar patch. And there came a bear after him. She said, my Lord, you can preach. So for those of you that like a little bit more excitement, I I may get there here in a little bit. But th- th- this is how it came to me. I was I was in the altar at a chapel, 
a TBC and the, the Lord just spoke something to me and it caught my attention. And then he gave me three scriptural settings, like boom, boom, boom. It was like so fast. And, and I went back and I began to write it down and I cl- closed the service. I mentioned it. I wasn't preaching. Someone else was. And then I went back to my office. I'm beginning to write it down. And, and, and here, here are the three. And then I, the Lord's added to it. So, but here are the first three. First um, Kings 17 and verse 8, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and he receives this word and says in verse 9 that you are to go, <coughs> excuse me, to Zarephath. And there I've already commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So there's a famine going on and Elijah. Um, he gets this word from the Lord that says, I've already spoke to a little woman and uh, you're to go there to Zarephath and she's going to sustain you. So he gets up and he goes and she is um, gathering sticks when he gets there and he sees her and he says, I want you to go get me some water. And uh, he says, and also bring me some bread. And it's verse 11. And she says, I, I don't have a cake. I, I, I just got a little bit of meal in the barrel, a little oil, and I'm gathering these two sticks, and I'm getting ready to go uh, start a fire, and I'm going to make a cake, and I'm we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. So notice, when the Lord speaks to her and commands her, because she's already received a command, she no doubt has more than what she has by the time the prophet gets there, because by the time the prophet gets there, she only has a handful, enough for one cake. The prophet says, don't be afraid. He says, do exactly what you said, but bake me the cake first and bring it to me. And then after, make one for you and your son. Now, she has already said that I don't have enough for you and me and my son. I've got enough for just my son and I. I got enough just for my son and me. And, and, and the prophet says, well, don't be afraid. She needs a miracle. She's supposed to feed the prophet, and she doesn't have enough to feed the prophet and then to eat herself. She needs a miracle. So the prophet prays. And uh, he gives the word from the Lord and says, Thus saith the Lord of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the, cur- the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. As she went and did exactly what Elijah said, and the barrel of meal, verse 16, wasted not, and the oil did not fail, did not go out. Now, I want you to think about this. She needed a miracle, and the miracle that she needed was that she needed to be able to feed the prophet. She only had enough for one cake. She ended up with two. It's a miracle. But God said, I've got something more in mind than just that initial miracle of feeding the prophet. Every day, you're going to go back to the barrel, and there's going to be enough oil and flour there in the barrel and the, and the vessel for you to bake a cake every day throughout the entire famine. 
she ended up with more. Nudge your neighbor right now and say, she got more. Here's, here's another one. I know this is simple. I know this is just, this is about as simple as it gets, but this is how it came to me. The Lord talks to me in very simple ways. He knows I don't understand all the other stuff. John chapter 6, one of his disciples, Andrew, came to him and said, there's a lad here that's got two small fish and five loaves of bread. Now, there's a multitude of people. Jesus has been teaching them for quite some time, and they have come to Jesus, and they said, we need to send the people away to town so they can eat. They're hungry. And Jesus says, well, um, you got some food around here? And nowadays, they'd be like, Lord, you see any food trucks out here on this hillside? I mean, we, we, don't have a, we don't have a lot of food. And they come to him, they say, we, we just have two small fish and five loaves of bread. Now, I, I used to get mixed up. I was always wondering, is it five fish and two loaves of bread? And I'd be up speaking. I was like, man, is it, which one is it? And then someone told me, said, it's always less fish than what you want. And I'm like, I'm a fisherman. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I get that. So it's always two small fish. And I love... You know, I shouldn't say that. But yeah, I will say it. I'll say it like this. I love preaching from the King James sometimes because I like to uh, butcher the English language because sometimes I mess up when I don't want to. And so um, like a minute ago, I said um, something in I, and it really is supposed to be me, so I corrected myself. Yeah, you heard it. Thank you. And so I butcher the English language, so when I get a hold of King James, I can say two small fishes. And I love to do that and see all the, the grammar Nazis go like, fishes, and they're laughing. I'm going like, it's King James. <laughs> Two small fishes and five loaves of bread. And Jesus took it. He gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples. They went out, and they fed the multitude. And then Jesus said, I want you to go get all the fragments. And at verse 13, they gathered them together. There was 12 baskets, fragments left over of these five barley loaves, which remain over and above. They have eaten to the point that they are stuffed. And we're talking approximately 20 to 25,000 people that have eaten two small fish, is what wells, two small fish and five loaves of bread, and they have now full and the scripture says that Jesus says, go gather up all the fragments, and they have 12 baskets of loaves left over. God just does things in such a way that he goes over and above. It's like pressed down, shaking together, and running over. He, he goes over and above. There's something more. And so the third one that the Lord spoke to me was 2 Kings chapter 4, and this one is Elisha. And he is talking with a woman um, who is a, a, a recent widow, and uh, she's got two sons, and the creditors are coming to take her sons away. They're going to have to work for, um, for, for the individual to give them the money and pay off the debt, and, uh, which meant that she was not going to have anyone to take care of her. And Elisha said, do you have anything in your house? And she said, well, I, I've got a pot of oil. He says, well, I want you to go out, and I want you to get all of the empty vessels and bring them in the house, and then we're going to pour out um, of the, the little bit of oil you have into those vessels. And she went and did that, and it came to pass in verse 6 
when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there's not a vessel more. And now notice verse seven. Then she came and told the man of God, and the man of God said, go sell the oil, pay your debt. Now, the miracle that she needed was for her debt to be paid. They're coming to take away her sons. She needs a miracle for the debt to be paid. They pour out the little bit of oil into all the empty vessels, and now Elisha says, go and sell it and pay your debt, but that's not all because God wants to do something more. You are to live, you and your children, off of all the rest. In other words, you're not just going to get enough to take care of your debt. You're going to get enough to live off of the rest of your life because God has got something more in mind. So I'm, I'm standing in the altar in a worship service, and the Lord speaks this to me. And in essence, what the Lord is tell, tells me at that point and has been telling me over and over again is that, Eugene, I've got something more in mind for you than what you can imagine, than what you can think, than what you can comprehend. It's bigger. It's greater. I've got something more in mind. Every time that you receive a blessing from me, I've got something more in mind. Every time you get a miracle from me, I've got something more in mind. But not just you, Eugene, but my people. I've got something more in mind for my people, and I don't believe that we fully understand that. In fact, I don't think we really truly can, but we certainly can begin to understand that, you know what, I'm not just hanging on by the end of the rope. I've got a God who's victorious. He reigns over it all. He is supreme. I don't have anything to worry about. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you where, where we're at right now in the spiritual realm. I had an, an, an elder many years ago, J.T. Pugh, and I'll never forget the statement he made. He said that you'll find it to be true that what is going on in the spiritual realm is often seen in what is going on in the natural realm. In the natural realm right now, we are at a place where we are afraid. COVID has brought us to a place of fear. The economy right now is bringing us to a place of fear. What's going on in our world over in Russia and, and, and Ukraine and the list goes on is bringing us to a place of fear. That's what's going on in our world around us. But we are not children of the darkness. We are children of the light. We don't live in fear. But in the spiritual realm, what we are facing is a spirit of fear that wants to limit us, wants to push us back and say, be quiet, silence your voice, silence your praise. Your God's not all that big. He can't do all the things you need him to do. Just sit back, be at ease, because you just need to make sure that you don't stir anything up. Don't stir up devils. Don't stir up the demons. Don't stir anything up, because we're just barely hanging on, and hopefully he'll come back really soon. We're like waving our flag, and we're singing a song, hold the fort, for I am coming. I hate that song. That song in one of the verses says, see the mighty host advancing. And you think, well, that's the church. And then the next line says, Satan is leading on. When I was pastor, I said, take that page. And I told him where to turn to. And I said, take your marker. And I said, I put a big X across that page. And it freaked everybody out. 
our songbooks. I'm like, yeah, that song is not of God. We're not holding a forward. We're not waving a flag just trying to barely hang on. We are advancing. God is doing something great in our world. I don't care what's going on around us right now in the church, in the spiritual realm. It's time for the church to stand up, to shine, to move forward, to advance, to conquer. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me what's going on with the economy. It doesn't matter what's going on in, in, in our world around us. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm a human. Yeah, I, I think about it. Yeah, all, the, all those kind of things. But I am not living my life being governed by what is going on in the world around us. I'm listening to his voice. If God says to you, as he did the widow woman, I want you to go and bake a cake for the prophet when he gets there and the prophet shows up and you don't have anything left, are you going to take what you've got and eat it and die? Or are you going to step into your miracle? Your miracle may be something that doesn't seem to make sense right now, but if you'll take what you've got and give it away, bless it, give it to the Lord, let God take it, break it, hand it out. It doesn't make sense, but in God's economy, in God's way of working things, it makes perfect sense because you're, you're, listen to me just for a second. Your job is not your source. Your God is your source. Your job is your means. And God can choose any means. My dad, years ago, went to a service. I was a little baby. He had started a church in Tipton, Indiana. And he got into the church service, and he felt led to give what he had in his pocket. He had $3. That $3 was to buy the milk and bread and, 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 and some, some food. And, uh, and he, he felt led to give it away, and he, he put it in the offering. And my mom looked at him and said, babe, she said, uh, you just gave away money for milk and bread. We, we don't have anything. He said, well, the Lord told me to give it. They're living in the church. Someone knocks at the door the next day. They go over and they open up the door. There's no one there. There's five bags of groceries. Here, here, here are the things that the Lord has been sharing with me. You may have experienced what you thought was a loss. Job did. But when it was all said and done, he ended up with more. And you'll come out on the other side of your trial with more too. You're thinking, but if I let go of what is in my hand, I'm going to lose. But God says, if you let go with what's in your hand, I'm going to put something better in it. It's going to be more than what you're holding on to. But I can't put more in your hand if you keep your hand closed, holding on to what you're holding on to right now. Amen. Come on, somebody. I, I can't give you more if you keep holding on to it. I'll fill every vessel up that's empty as long as you pour it out. I'll give you a whole barrel full of, of flour and oil as long as you give it away. Now, now, here, now here's, they messed with your theology just a little bit. We really don't know for sure if that she went back to that barrel and it was just completely full and it was enough in there to last her throughout the entire famine. It appears as though that what happened was is that she went back to the barrel and there was just enough flour and a little bit of oil for that day. And she went back the next day and there was a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil for that day. 
God sometimes blesses us in ways that we don't see it. God's already said, you know what? I got a whole barrel of flour and oil over here for you. I got great blessings for you, but all you're going to see is that little bit of flour, a handful of it, and a little bit of oil that's going to sustain you for today. But I got enough to see you through the entire journey. I'm just going to preach to myself today because I need to hear this. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey right now. I have been on a journey. My wife walked away from her job here recently this past year. I'm a Bible college president. You don't make a lot of money being a Bible college president. I still got a house in Katy. I got a son that's going to get married this next year, a daughter that will likely get married this next year. I need a lot of money. <laughs> and the Lord just keeps telling me over and over again, you don't, you don't need what you think that you need. I, I've, I've got you. You listen to my voice. You follow me. I'll take care of you. I know you want to see the big, big barrel full of flour before you move out. But you know what? If I speak to you and it's just a handful of flour, then you better go ahead and do what I told you to do. Amen. You are his child. You think God isn't going to give you what you need? Matthew 7, 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more? Amen. Luke 15, this is something that, I, I can't get away from Luke 15. The prodigal's coming home. He says, I'm going to go to my father's house. Uh, he, his hired servants, they have bread enough and to spare. I perish with hunger. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired servant. But the father in verse 22 says, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put the ring on his hand, the sandals on his feet. Get the fatty calf here and kill it. Let's eat and be merry. He said, my son was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost and he's found and they begin to be merry. I want you to notice this. The prodigal's thinking is all messed up. And when your thinking is messed up, your identity's messed up. When your identity's messed up, it messes up what you do. When you get outside of God's plan and purpose, it's going to mess you up. But as long as you're inside his plan and purpose, you're all right. So the, so the prodigal, he now sees himself as a servant, and he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. His identity is messed up. Just make me a servant. I'm, in other words, I'm going to live the life of a servant because his identity is messed up. But when his daddy sees him, his daddy starts running towards him. The son, he says, you know, I, 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 I just want to be a servant. And the father, he's not hearing anything about it. He says, go get the robe. This is the father's robe. This is the best robe. It signifies honor and authority. Go get the ring. This is the signet ring. This is a ring that implies that he has authority to, do, to sign documents and do business. 
Get him some shoes. Servants don't wear shoes. Servants are, are poor. In biblical days, they, they went without shoes. But my son is no longer going to be poor. My son has access to all of my wealth. The son sees himself as a servant saying, I will do as you command. But daddy is saying, it's not about my commands. It's about my love for you. You're my son. See, there's a difference between living life as a servant and living life as a son. A son obeys out of love. A servant obeys out of fear. A son is rich while the servant is poor. A son has a future. A servant doesn't have a future. We oftentimes see ourselves as servants, lacking not enough resources, not enough to do what needs to be done. But God's looking at us and going like, you're not my servant, you're my son. God sees us having authority and honor and great wealth. So when you read here in the book of Galatians, Paul is dealing with a problem within the church. There is this group of Gentile believers, and, and, and the, those in the church are saying that these Gentile believers, that they have to adhere to the Torah, the Mosaic law, and that would include such things as circumcision, abstaining from certain foods, and, and strict adherence to the keeping the Sabbath, and so on. And Paul begins to speak out against that. In the Galatians 2, in verse 16, he declares, he says, man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3 and 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you are now made perfect by the flesh? In Galatians 4 and 1, Paul says, We have a great inheritance, but as long as we are as a child, we differ nothing from a servant. What Paul was saying is that we've got to grow up. We've got to start acting spiritually mature and not acting like that we are a little child. He is saying that a servant doesn't have an inheritance, and as long as we are as little children, we can't tap into that inheritance that has already been given. We need to grow up. He goes on and he gives more explanation in verses 4 and 5, and he says, but God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that are under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. So Paul is saying as long as we live under the law, we are as children, and we differ nothing than a servant but we have an inheritance, we can't access it, so therefore we are no different than a servant who has no inheritance. Then he goes on in verse seven and declares, but you are no more a servant, but a son. Paul is saying that if you truly understood who you are, you would act different than how you're acting. Paul is saying that if you understood who you are, you would live different. It would change your thinking, and in changing your thinking, it would change your actions. Amen. Amen. So I want to say it again. You've got more authority than what you realize. You've got more power than what you realize. You've got access to more wealth than what you realize, and we are living below when we ought to be living above. Luke 15, verse 29, now this is so interesting to me because it's not just the prodigal who is struggling with his identity. The elder brother says, look, and he says this to his father in Luke 15, 29, he says, for so many years I have been serving you, I have never neglected a command. 
He is living like a servant. I have been serving you. I've never neglected a command, but you've never given me a kid that we might be married. In other words, I have been doing everything that the servant does, and I don't live with any joy. He sees his father as a master. He sees himself as a servant. He says, I've never neglected a command. You say do this. You say do that. I do exactly what you want me to do. He's a son, but he's not living like a son. He's living like a servant. Notice in verse 30, he says, when this son of yours came. He's not saying when my lost brother came home, but this son of yours. He's speaking like a servant. His his. His words are all messed up. His thoughts are all messed up. He's speaking as a servant. Notice the difference between a servant and a son. A son thinks like the father. A servant does not think like the father. A son's priorities are the same as the father's priorities, but a servant doesn't have the same priorities. A son cares about what the father cares about, but the servant does not. A son has the same nature as the father, but the servant does not. A son rejoices with the father, but a servant does not. But when the father looks at his elder son, he doesn't call him a servant. Instead, he looks at him and he goes, my child. In other words, you're mine, but you're not acting mature. You're living below your potential. He says, all that is mine is yours. So here it is. Stop looking at your circumstances and declaring what you lack. You are more than a servant. You are his son. You don't lack a thing. Amen. Hey Amen. I, I, I don't want to say it because it's being broadcasted, but I've, I've been in places in Asia where that we can't do what we're doing here today. I've been multiple times. I've been where I had to sneak in and sneak out multiple times. I've been where we had to like, shh, shh, getting too loud. So I say this respectfully, but what I, what I feel happening in North America, it, it, it not, it's not about being loud. I get loud and I get excited. It's not about being loud. It's not about what's going on in, in our world and government and economy and the list goes on and on. That's, that's, not what's, that's not what's happening. What's happening is that in the spiritual realm, there has been an attack on God's people and we have become quieter and quieter in our spirit. And we're afraid to speak up and do what needs to be done and move forward on things that we need to be moving forward on. We are living beneath our potential. And I feel that the Lord has been speaking to me and telling me the same thing. You're living beneath your potential. I've got something more for you. 
And I believe that God has sent me here, and I feel the Holy Ghost so strong, but God has sent me here to, to this church today to tell you that God has got something more for you than what you realize. It goes beyond what you're praying for. It's bigger. It's greater. Amen. I have felt this in the Holy Ghost, and I feel it so strong. This church, I'm, I'm going to be very blunt right now. This church is in a transition. I know some of the things that's going on. I know what y'all are going to do later today. I understand all that. I, I wasn't, you're, Pastor Beardsley did not ask me nor any other pastors on the staff to preach a certain message, to talk about a certain thing. That has not happened at all. None of that's been said. I've been preaching this message repeatedly. I preached it in Oklahoma. I preached it in Tennessee. I preached it in Texas several places, and I'm preaching it here today, and God keeps adding little pieces to it. Every time I preach, God adds a little bit more peace to it. But I've been preaching this everywhere because I feel, and I believe this with everything in me, that God is challenging his church to step up, that there's something more. This church right now is in a transition, and you're trying to figure out, what am, how am I going to get there? What is this going to look like? I'm here to tell you today that God, in his view, the way that God sees it, it's so much bigger. It's so much greater than anything that you can imagine. You're looking at your own world, wondering how it's going to work, and God's going like, no, it's bigger than that. Amen. It's bigger than that. I'm not saying that the bigger means that this that this church is going to triple in the next two years. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that in God's way of looking at things, it's bigger than that. When God speaks to you and God says, you got a little bit of flour, you better give it away. Just trust the fact that God sees something bigger than what you see and God's going to bless greater than what you can imagine. And when it seems that you just got a little few fish and, and, and some bread, just, just give it away because God's going to do something bigger than what you can ever imagine. It's greater. It's, it's more. Amen. I trust my friend. I trust that he's heard from the Lord. We've talked several times. But I have felt this all weekend. I'm going to say it to you. It's bigger than you and your wife and the ministry and what God is doing in your own life, and it's bigger than Newark now Pentecostal Church. It's bigger. And you may see it, and you may not see it, but I promise you this much, it's bigger. For one, the journey that your children are on with you is making lasting impact. It's bigger. The ministers that are stepping up and leading here in this church are taking this thing to another level. It's it's bigger. It's bigger. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I know this is a challenging thought. I know that we like security. I know that we want to hold on to things and feel safe. But why hold on to something I understand, because if I open up my hand, I'm going to lose it. But we don't understand that God is saying, I want to put something bigger in your hand. I want to give you something greater.
the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I worship you. I worship you. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to do something right now. Whatever it is that you feel as though that I need to hang on to it, I need to hold on to it, whatever it is in your life. Whatever it is that you feel like I need to keep holding on to this, I'm going to lose it. I want you to take your hand and symbolically, I want you to just lift it up to the Lord right now. Open hand. An open hand. God, we give it to you right now. We trust that you will do right. We trust you. We trust your goodness. We trust you. We're safe in your hands. We give it to you. We surrender it to you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you feel this way, this is gonna be this is gonna be putting you on a spot just a little bit. But if you feel this way, I I I believe that God will help you today. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. He brought forth that which was which was messed up. And if you will be transparent today, God's getting ready to help you right now. How many of you in this place? It's not gonna be everybody, but there may be a handful of people that would be transparent enough to do this, that you would say, 
that I am battling some fear. I have been battling. I'm battling some fear right now. Would you just lift your hands up? Some hands. Amen. You may be standing next to somebody with their hand up. Reach over, lay your hand on them. Even your hand may be up, but just reach over there and you pray for one another. We're going to pray right now. In the name of Jesus. God, you have not given us the spirit of fear. You have not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And God, we will use our sound mind in making decisions. But God, we're not going to allow fear to hold us back. We're not going to allow fear to keep us from moving forward. I bind the spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of fear right now. In the name of Jesus. God, you meant for your people to be loosed. You meant for your people to live in freedom. God, your word says that he that the Son has set free is free indeed. It's not your plan. It's not your design for our minds to be bound by fear. I speak against fear. Hallelujah. 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 When I lay my head down at night, God, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to lay there wide awake trying to go to sleep. I'm going to trust you. I know that you've got it all under control. I know it's all in your hands. My faith is in you. Hallelujah. 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 Huh?
is a little crazy what I'm getting ready to do right now. This is a little out there. I understand, but we used to do this back in the olden days. I can tell you that. But if you feel victory, you feel victory. You, you are determined. I'm going to move forward. Come what may I'm trusting God. I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to begin to have a little bit of a victory march. You can do it around the entire building. You can do it around one section, but I want you to walk and march with your hands lifted up, rejoicing the Lord right now. I know this is a little different, but I want us just to walk and rejoice right now. God, you're good. We celebrate you. We know that you see it all. you got it all. I don't care what the world thinks. I don't care what everybody else thinks. I don't care about the ridicule. I don't care what they think. I trust you. My faith is in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My faith is in you. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, I trust you, Lord. I praise you, I praise you. I glorify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus.
Amen. I'm looking for somebody right now. You, you've been down this road. You already know what it's like when you trust God and God does something more. I'm looking for a couple of people. You've been down that road. Would you just give him praise right now? He did it back then. He'll do it again. He did it back then. He'll do it again. Hey, yes. It dawned on me a couple years ago. I shared it with my son just last week. It dawned on me a couple years ago. I said, son, I said, the Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. It dawned on me a few years back. If you think that, well, man, I, I just can't trust God with this part, you know, say it's, say it's my finest. I can't, I can't really trust him. I've got to make sure I have lots of money. Well, you can go after that, but you're never going to escape the walk of faith. It'll be your health. It'll be your child. It'll be something. This last week, I told my son, I said, son, I said, you're getting all worked up. I know you got your plan. He had a spreadsheet out. I know you got your plan. You got your spreadsheet. I said, it looks good. I said, but you're getting all tense and worked up. I said, you need to do that. You need, you need to do your part. I said, but I promise you, I said, you will walk by faith. You're not going to be what God wants you to be outside of a walk by faith. And I said, you're going to have to learn to trust God. Amen. I could go on and on. I need to stop. I need to stop. Somebody come take this microphone out of my hands. I have, I have <laughs> just lay it down, she says. If I keep on holding on, I'm going to keep on talking. Amen. I, 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 I do want to say there's two things. I've lived what I'm talking about. I've lived it. I walked away, walked away, and went for broke. And I went broke. And God took care of us over and over and over and over again. All because God said go. And then I watched God start opening the doors, one after another. And then doors closed. And someone spoke when I, one of my trips to Asia, and I, this has become a mental picture for me as God leads me the journey, is that it said that you will walk forward, and it will be as the door is open, all of a sudden the door will shut. But then there'll be one right to the right of it that will open up, and you'll walk through it. It'll be like a maze. The door is closing and shutting, but I will lead you all the way through. Amen. He'll do the same for you. God bless you. Such a joy being with you today. Thank you, Dr. Wilson. Maybe, maybe he's such family now that we can lose the doctor part, right? Brother Wilson, I don't know about you, but I've been blessed today. I hope you take these words with you and, uh, and, and remember who you are. We are sons and daughters. And if we get that revelation, I think we're going to have a whole different thing going forward. If all of us understand that we are sons and daughters. Go and be blessed. Have a great evening.